It is that time of year when everyone tries to pick who are the top 25 teams in women's college basketball for the 23-24 season, even though there is high expectations, anticipation, too many questions, and we haven't even seen anybody play a game yet. So yes, we are going to do that today, right here on Lockdown Women's Basketball. Ogumba Wallet for the win! You are Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hello, friends. It is Monday, October 23rd, 2023. Fall is here. The college basketball season is almost here as well, and I hope you've got just a little, a little over one week left. Get your pumpkins, get your jack-o'-lanterns set, and make sure you've got enough candy for your neighborhood. Halloween is right around the corner. I am Missy Heidrich, National Women's Basketball Correspondent here at The Next, so happy to have you with us. Thank you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. You can follow me at Missy Hydrick, and then be sure to follow this podcast at LOCKEDONWBB, and then come see all of us at The Next at www.thenexthoops.com as well. All of my amazing colleagues, the coverage has been fantastic throughout the WNBA season and now we are headed right into college basketball. So there is that buzz that so much has been surrounding the women's game, and rightly so. We saw a masterful performance last week by the Las Vegas Aces to capture their second WNBA title in a row. And now we turn that spotlight to the college ranks. Today, we're going to break down what is the next top 25 preseason preview. What goes into considering you to get on this list? Who is at the top and in the top five? And who fills out the other remaining spots? Who's a sleeper this season and what game should you keep an eye on? We've got it all covered and we're going to go through everything. So now let's start right now. And to clarify, I am the person I write this preview and have done it the last. This is my third. I've done it the last two seasons. And so, yes, I own these preseason rankings. Hopefully, after you're done listening and watching this episode, you'll understand much of how I break it down and why, how we get these 25 teams. But let's face it, there is literally a bunch of projections on paper. We all know this is not a science, and that is simply going to be this, that there are too many great players, too many great teams, and too many good coaches across this country for it to be this simple. But it is October 23rd. So it looks pretty darn good, but I can tell you in just a few weeks, it's not going to look like this at all. But let's break it down first. All right, so what goes into setting a top 25? How do we get there? And how do you put together a preseason poll? Well, I look at it like this. You've got to evaluate some of the things that happened not only last season, but where this team is going. So you have to take in to how did they finish? Where's their momentum in this program? Where were they just a year ago? You've got to take into consideration returning talent. Who's transferred in? Who's transferred out? That is going to be a big piece of the puzzle. It's the landscape of college athletics, especially in the college basketball game. We know that the transfer portal is a vital piece of all of this. Not only is a place where kids have been on, had success on teams and they leave, but now they're looking for other homes. So we've got to take that into account. 
A coaching change. Has there been one? Sometimes it can be a positive. It might be a negative. You never know. Can somebody get over that? Are they taking over a team that's loaded? Are they walking into something? Coaching changes go into a big piece of this. And then I got to take into coaching itself, the X's and O's. How is a coach going to be creative? How are they going to adapt to the season? Can they do exactly and run the system that they did a year ago? Probably not. You're going to need new wrinkles. You've got new players, new faces, new kind of a cohesion and chemistry that you've got to build both on the floor and off. A lot of that responsibility goes to the players, but it is up to coaches to be able to do that. They've got to have the game plan. And then how do you mesh and mold those rosters? I think that's incredibly important, especially in this day and age of the portal. People have to be able to take the new and the returners and put them together. Yes, we think we've got all sorts of time. But when you look at some of the schedules and the non-conference competition that a lot of these top teams are playing, they don't have a lot of time to put the pieces of, the, of that all together. And then I also like to look at how a team is going to stack up. How are they going to stack up to others like them? Their conference, how strong is their conference? How are they going to stack up against teams within their own league? But then what are they going to do when they get into their conference schedules themselves? We have to take into account, for instance, in the Big 12, they play 18 conference games. The SEC, they're more at the 16 number. Everybody's a little bit different. Some of your mid-major conferences, i.e. the Missouri Valley, I know they play 20 games in that in that span of conference play. That's going to make a difference is where teams set themselves up, how they not only tackle their non-conference, but where they want to see themselves knowing you've got to dive head first into the pool of conference play. All right. The past few months, though, have brought considerable change across the landscape of college athletics. We talk about the portal, but we also know that this upcoming women's basketball season is going to have a ton of intriguing storylines. We're talking about the Pac-12, a conference that has been in existence for over 100 years, that this could very well and more than likely is the last season of Pac-12 women's basketball, a league that has produced national champions, final four final teams that have been to the final four and a host of some of the very best players that have come through the women's game. The PAC 12 is riddled with history and it's going to look incredibly different not to have them on the other side a year from now. So we are seeing that we're also seeing some rivalries that are no longer going to be in existence because of conference realignment. That is important in the women's basketball game as it is in college athletics period. But I find it to be very interesting that we're going to see some of those. We also have to think which are some coaches maybe they're digging in. It's a rebuild or is it going to be instantaneous? And then we also have to talk about the players, the student athletes, the one that did transfer, the ones that left that are coming in. Is the grass greener somewhere else or they decide, you know what? I want to stay here. This is the best place for me. That is all part of the package of putting together these teams that make our top 25. All right. So let's start with the first five. That's where we're going to go before we take a break. And we stand by one simple rule that if you want to be the best, you have to beat the best. Therefore, right out of the gate, the LSU Tigers, they are the number one in this preseason poll. And it's very simple. It was the first ever women's basketball national title for LSU. Kim Mulkey's just second year. She did a masterful job of blending that roster of returners as well as transfers and newcomers. And they were able to do it. When you've got now a player like Angel Reese, who comes back as a junior All-American, she's going to be leading this team. But also the 2023 SEC Freshman of the Year and Falusa Johnson. It's also an incredibly packed transfer portal. Mulkey being able to go and take and catapult herself because of that national title. Two of the top transfers in the country 
end up in Baton Rouge. And Haley Van Lith, who comes from Louisville, and then the dynamic scorer and playmaker, Anicia Morrow from DePaul, really was under the radar for a lot of people in her first year, not as much in her second year as a sophomore in Chicago, but she could be a difference maker in the SEC. It's also a stacked recruiting class for Kim Mulkey, two five-star signees. It will be up to her to blend this team together, but they will be challenged early and often. And I'll be very interested to see the dynamic between Van Lith and Angel Reese, another scorer, another playmaker, but that might just be exactly what LSU needs to get themselves back to the final four. Number two is UConn. That's where they land in this preseason poll. They were not this high a year ago. I own that. I told everyone that was my reason because they were without the 2021 National Player of the Year and Paige Becker. She is back. She is healthy. Also, I hope that Easy Flood Fudd is also healthy for Gina Oriema. Can this Husky team, who was 31 and 6 a year ago, appeared in the Sweet 16? Can they put themselves back into the Final Four? They've got great guard play, and I think they have one of the most improved posts in the nation in 6'3 senior Aaliyah Edwards. She, along with some help inside, that front court will be incredibly important. They've got to be able to give back up to the backcourt when you talk about Beckers and FUD. You got Anaya Patterson as well as a heralded redshirt freshman in Ice Brady who did not play a year ago. These will be players that will have to step up. UConn is all, appears on so many non-conference schedules and slates for some of these top teams around the nation. You are going to see the Huskies early and often. Number three for us and for me comes in at Utah. They were last year's 2023 Pac-12 co-champions. They return all five starters, and that is a team that was just one possession and two free throws away from knocking out LSU where they would not have been on the road to their national championship. They bring back the Pac-12 Player of the Year and Alyssa Pilly, and then also she's got her fifth year along with other three-point sharpshooters and juniors and a, a really multiple weapons on the floor that can spread and attack. Now, depth has been an issue for Utah. They were able to go into the portal and get some help. I think that's going to be incredibly important. Two Date to circle on your calendar, November 14th at Baylor and December 10th in the Basketball Hall of Fame Women's Showcase against South Carolina that will be played on a neutral court in Connecticut. Number four in our poll is the Ohio State Buckeyes. This may surprise some, but I say that defense can win championships, and that has been a model for so many, and that is exactly what they're going to try to do at Ohio State. Now they've got help. A very healthy J.C. Sheldon is huge for Kevin McGuff, but he brings in the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, Duke transfer Celeste Taylor, and that will give them offense. One of the bright spots for the Buckeyes has to be the Big Ten Freshman of the Year a year ago and Cody McMahon. She's a six-foot forward. She hit double figures in 26 games a year ago. She is incredibly talented and can really anchor that game in the front court, but is so active defensively, and that what's, is what makes her really, really good. Now, they've also got some other veterans that return out front, and they give a lot of pressure, and they're going to make people's lives miserable trying to get them into their half-court offense. Big showdowns for them, USC November 6th and at Tennessee on December 3rd before they dive in to the Big Ten. All right, and number five is our second Pac-12 team that you're going to see this year. And for us, it's UCLA. I really like what Corey Close has been able to do with this team and, being, and not only is it to give them 
their top three returners from a season ago come back in terms of scores. And that includes Charisma Osborne. She averaged almost 16 points a game last year. She's coming back for her sec- for her fifth year and her extra year. But it is sophomore sensation Kiki Rice. She had a fabulous freshman season in the Pac-12. I would look for her to have an even better one this year. But it is about size. And that is the X factor in the transfer portal. And it is six seven center Lauren Betts. She was the number one recruit in the class of 2022. She ended up at Stanford, did not get many minutes, struggled to find really what her role was going to be for the Cardinal, and now finds a home at UCLA. They are going to be challenged early and often, and it is going to be in November, which is going to tell us a lot about the Bruins, and it starts with the battle for Atlantis when they go to the fun in the sun in the Bahamas over Thanksgiving, and then a trip to South Carolina on November 29th. We will talk about the Gamecocks in just a moment because when we come back, we're going to walk through number six through 15 and what stands out and what to look for. But first, a message from our friends at Game Time. Have you ever had a terrible time trying to get the tickets online to see your favorite artist in concert? I can think about maybe Taylor Swift or something like that. Well, you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seats, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seats before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All in prices show your total up front, and you can buy tickets in seconds with two taps. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, go create an account and redeem the code. Locked on NBA, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Hi, everyone. I am Missy Heidrich, and thanks for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. The Locked On Ultimate NBA Season Preview is here, a six-episode series with all 30 of our Locked On NBA team shows. From contenders to tankers, we go in deep into the biggest storylines heading into the season. Catch all six episodes on Locked On NBA on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We are going through the next top 25 preview for the 23-24 season. And as, as I said at the start, it is me. I am the one. I put it together with help and thanks to all of my amazing colleagues at the next for some of their help with data and team info. But it is me. I own it. And we're going to put you right there. We've talked and mentioned South Carolina already, but they come in in this poll at number six. You will see them on a lot of non-conference schedules, and that is because they've set the bar over the last few years. If you want to be the best, you've got to beat the best, and South Carolina has been that. So a lot of these teams in the top 25 and across the country have the Gamecocks on their non-conference schedule. They themselves will be challenged. I think it starts with their post game, and it's going to be around six center Camila Cardoza. You've also got great guards returning, sophomore Raven Johnson. I think she was an all-SEC freshman a year ago. And I think she's got to be even better this season. And then you've got a bigger threat also on the perimeter with someone like Junior Bree Hall. The number two ranked recruiting class comes to South Carolina for Don Staley. Blending those together will be key. 
Look for the game on November 6th. They are going across the pond to play in Paris, France, where they will match up with Notre Dame, who we will talk about shortly. That will be a big test and a really good look at the Gamecocks early. Number seven for me is Virginia Tech. They were in the Final Four a year ago, and I said if Kenny Brooks wanted to go buy a lottery ticket, I would have done it after he found out that his double-double machine and the two-time ACC Player of the of the Year, Elizabeth Kitley, was coming back. This is a team, I think, that is with a goal. They want to get back to the Final Four. They know they have the talent to do that. It is not only about Kitley, but it is about Georgia Amor. She is back, as well as perimeter threat Kayla King. Some transfers who have come in just as in years past for Kenny Brooks and a very good top 20 recruiting class that I keep, I think gives the Hokies some depth and will allow Kitley to step out, maybe even not have to play as many minutes as she has in the past. As a fifth year, you can get worn down pretty quick, but I look for her and the Hokies to have another fantastic season. Number eight is led the Iowa Hawkeyes, and that is the national last year's national player of the year in Caitlin Clark. We don't know how many more highlights we will see or what else she can do, but she's going to need some help. She does have some guards returning with her. But the biggest question for me with Iowa is going to be their postgame. They're going to have to look for someone someone like 6'2 sophomore Hannah Stolke. She was the Big Ten six person, sixth player of the year a year ago. She's going to have to have a bigger role. They're going to need some help inside. But with Clark, she can do so many things herself. And she does a great job of involving her teammates. They will be challenged. The first game that I will be very interested to see how this new look Iowa Hawkeyes just so happens to be against Virginia Tech. November 9th, they play in the Ally Tip-Off in Charlotte, North Carolina. Number nine is Indiana. You want to build a program that can win you conference titles. Terry Morin has done that at Indiana. They won a Big Ten title for the first time in program history. And she brings back their first ever All-American First team All-American and fifth-year senior Mackenzie Holmes, one of the most efficient players in the nation and an incredibly, incredibly talented basketball player. They've also got a host of senior guards back and a very, very talented 6'3 sophomore in yard and guard zone. She averaged almost 11-plus points a game last year and shot close to 50% from the arc as a freshman. I like Indiana, a lot of weapons, and a challenging schedule. Number 10, that is the Texas Longhorns. Vic Schaefer, you got to be able to play defense, and he needs them to stay healthy. I think that's where they are. Rory Harmon out front leads the way. She is the preseason Big 12 Player of the Year, an incredibly talented guard who not only will defend, but she's become more assertive and can be a true offensive weapon. Inside, it's about a big front court. Aliyah Moore, she is healthy and back, having dealt with a knee injury a year, a year ago. Deanna Gaston and 6'4", Taylor Jones in the paint, but there's also some very interesting newcomers coming. And I really like where you pair Rory Harmon with the 2023 newcomer of the year last year in the big 12 and Shaylee Gonzalez, who was the BYU transfer. Look for the Longhorns to set their sights on a big 12 title. They're last in the league before they move to the sec. Number 11 is an sec team. And that is Tennessee. They were really inconsistent. It seemed all season long, but the hope is this year, a little bit more stability for Kelly Harper and her team. 6'2", Rakia Jackson, she is back this year. She was a top five scorer in the SEC last season. She's going to need some help. Two transfers that I think can do that and give them more stability. It's an all-ACC guard and Jewel Spear from Wake Forest. And then Destiny Wells, who has been a playmaker at Belmont during her career there. 
they can give them an even more of a punch, not only scoring, but on the defensive end. They will be tested. They will play at least four top 25 teams before mid-December. We will know about the Lady Vols. Number 12 is Baylor, and it was the first time in 12 years that Baylor did not win a conference regular season title in the Big 12, but I think Nikki Collin finally has healthy pieces together to put them towards back up at the top to challenge Texas for that Big 12 title. Not only is Sarah Andrews returning, she is the the Bears' leading scorer from a season ago, a player whose career has just flourished under the system that Colin has instilled. But they are going to get not the Big 12 Freshman of the Year a year ago, Darian Littlepage Bugs back, as well as Aaliyah Blackwell and Dre Edwards, both who were out last season. Blackwell had transferred from Missouri. She only played in eight games. Edwards had to sit out the whole season in her transfer from Kentucky. But the portal also has been good to Baylor. Jada Walker from Kentucky, Deanna Fritz, Yon. Yeah, Felder from Ohio. Fritz comes from Iowa State. That is a lot of experience coming to the backcourt and to the floor. That will be helpful for Baylor. Number 13 is Ole Miss. So coaches have to build a foundation, and they have done that, getting themselves back to the NCAA tournament and a sweet 16 appearance in 2023. Coach Yo bringing back three of her top scores, and she brought in big-time transfers as well. Kennedy Todd Williams from North Carolina, K.K. Deans from Florida, and Carissa Richardson from Auburn. Also, two top 100-ranked freshmen come to Oxford. I like the Rebels. I like what they're doing. It is going to be fast, furious, and intense. Number 14 is North Carolina. The Tar Heels coming off a season where their defense sets the tone. So if you want to play there for Courtney Banghart, you've got to be ready to defend. Now, two top guards come back, and that is Deja Kelly and Alyssa Ustabi. But key transfers will help them as well to give them a scoring punch. The inside game, they've got to be more effective. They will be without the services of 6'4 freshman Sierra Toomey. She was a player everyone had their eye on but she will be out this season because of a knee injury and will miss her first year. The Tar Heels will be tested long before they get to the ACC. They're going to play South Carolina and UConn. Surprise, surprise. Number 15 is Stanford. Now the Cardinal look very different, but the one key piece or really two key pieces, it's going to be about Cameron Brink and Hannah Jump. Those two are going to have to lead the charge with younger players who saw a lot of minutes a year ago, but then also an incredibly talented freshman class all who are top 50 picks. We mentioned earlier Lauren Betts transferred out into into UCLA. Cameron Brink, she will be the focal point. Hannah Jump gives them that perimeter look. They're going to need help, and it's going to be a lot of big-time players that we're going to have to help. But I look at November 12th as one to circle on your calendar. They will host Indiana. I think we'll know a lot about the Cardinal then. All right, number 16, before we move on and take a break, is Notre Dame. One of the biggest questions about across women's college basketball right now is, is Olivia Miles healthy for Notre Dame? We don't know. There's a lot of speculation. With that said, that's why the Fighting Irish land at 16 for me. They also they do have returners coming back and experience. And you think about players like Sony Citron, who was their leading scorer a year ago. Maddie Westbald, who is incredibly versatile. They're going to have to have some guards who step up and do more. KK Bransford and Cassandre Prosper. They've got to be even bigger factors. But if Miles is unavailable or until she is, Neil Ivy is going to lean on an incredibly talented freshman class led by five six point guard Hannah Hidalgo. She is next up. They will have their hands full when they go across the pond. 
to Paris on November 6th to face South Carolina. A big test, but a fantastic showcase of women's basketball is coming. Everybody tune in. All right, when we come back, we're going to round out our top 25. Why are they in and why are they not? Stay tuned, and we'll talk about it in just a few minutes. All right, it is that time. We know it's so busy. The Major League Playoffs are going. The NFL is in business. So what you've got to do is snap into action during the NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get on the action. Tonight, Monday, October, October 23rd, it is the Purdy versus Cousin Show. Monday Night Football, the 49ers at the Minnesota Vikings, you pick. And if you're on there, you can think about baseball. The MLB playoffs are in action. Game six at Philadelphia, game seven in Houston. So you've got to get to FanDuel now. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player, cop, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off this NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Hi, everybody. I am Missy Heidrich, and welcome back. We are talking and walking through the top 25 from the next. Again, a preview that I have wrote. I own all of this, and I'm so happy to be able to share it with you today because I couldn't be more excited about what the 2023-24 women's basketball season is going to bring. All right, we've made it all the way 1-16, to 16, so we're going to round out this top 25. Sitting at number 17 is Maryland. Now, this Maryland team, and for years, Brenda Fries has really been masterful at being able to manage players coming in and out of her program via the transfer portal. And I think this year is going to be no different. She's got one of the big all Big Ten junior playmaker and Shania and <laughs> Shane Sellers, and she's going to come back as well as graduate seniors, Lavender Briggs and Alexander. NC State transfer Jakia Brown-Turner can be a big lift for Maryland when on the perimeter as well. It's got a challenge in the Big Ten for Maryland. They know that season in and season out, but it is also another top 20 recruiting class and a homegrown product in 6'2 freshman Riley Nelson. She's from Clarksburg, Maryland, and was just named the Gatorade Player of the Year in Maryland two times in her high school career. She can contribute to them both on both ends of the floor. Look for her to get some minutes early and often. They have a big week in November where they're going to learn a lot about themselves. And it's two road trips, one to South Carolina on November 12th, and then they head to Yukon on November 16th. The other person that I always think does a masterful job of managing the very delicate world of the transfer portal is Jeff Walsh at Louisville and the Cardinals are in at number 18. He's a wizard of being able to figure it out. And he did it again. He had players leave. And what did he do? He found five, six junior guard, Jada Curry. She was the 2022 PAC 12 freshman of the year. And she comes to Louisville from Cal. She's going to be a huge offensive threat for them as well as Kiki Jefferson. She averaged almost 18 plus points a game last season at James Madison. And they have other guards and two other guards 
guards and Sydney Taylor and Nina Rickards from Florida as new scoring threats. Olivia Cochran, she's got to be an anchor inside for Louisville, but you surround her with scoring guards, and that can be a huge lift for Louisville as they navigate the ACC. In at number 19 is USC. I love what Lindsay Gottlieb is doing out in Los Angeles. She's building a program putting her stamp on it, both with recruiting and with the portal. This team was back in the NCAA tournament a year ago, even they were knocked off in overtime by South Dakota State. It's a lot of momentum that they have. They will build around 6'4 returning junior Rhea Marshall. She averaged almost 13 a game and is a preseason all-Pac-12 selection. Three Ivy League transfers come to USC, as well as 6'2 freshman Juju Watkins. She is the 2023 Gatorade National Gatorade Player of the Year, and she's going to come to them in their first season. She is a prolific scorer. She headlines what is a top 10 rank recruiting class. All of those freshmen will look will be looked to contribute, especially Watkins, and they face, oh, by the way, Ohio State and Las Vegas on November 6th, right out of the gate. Number 20 is another Pac-12 team, and that is Colorado. J.R. Payne now in her eighth season in Boulder, and they've climbed many mountains, and they've gotten this team back into the national conversation. She's going to bring back her top four scorers, including fifth-year seniors Quay Miller and Jalen Sherrod, who not only was their second-leading scorer but led this team in assists a year ago. A couple transfers come in, and that is where I think Colorado will be able to set themselves up. Defense has been a staple for pain. They will continue to look to defend, and they will have to in the Pac-12. And their primetime schedule begins also on November 6th. They play number one, LSU, in Vegas. Look for that one and circle it on your calendar. Number 21 for me is Mississippi State. Could not be more excited about what second year Sam Purcell has rolling in Starkville. And I think it's going to be another outstanding year. A huge group of returners. The foundation that he needed, especially in the post, led by 6'5 center Jessica Carter. That was big. Their top returning scores. You pair them with a top 25 recruiting class and then what I think might be three of the top impact transfers as well. That would be Lauren Park Lane from Seton Hall, Darian Rogers from DePaul, and 6'2 forward Aaron Barnum from Arkansas. All of that is experience and depth that you not only need in the non-con, but to compete night in, night out in the SEC. Purcell has got the lineup to be able to do that if they can stay healthy. Number 22 is NC State out of the ACC. This is an interesting one, and I think one that I kind of, a lot of people are do-si-do with. But you've got to look at the Wolfpack and not only what comes back, but the young and the youth of what they have on this roster this year. That's where Wes Moore is going to have to do it. They bring back less than 50% of their scoring from, from their team last season, where they went 20 and 12, and were back in the NCAA tournament. But you've got some assertive scores inside, as well as some size. 6'3 center Mimi Collins, 6'5 center River Baldwin, two very talented guards in James and Rivers who come back out on the perimeter and a very, very good top 10 recruiting class. They will be looking for them to help, including the number nine overall player in the class of 2023, 5'10 guard Zoe Brooks. Look for those youngsters to get some time early and often. Number 23 is out of the Big East, and for me, it is Creighton. Jim Flannery, 22nd year now 
in Omaha leading the Creighton Blue Jay program. He brings back top four scorers from a season ago, and that team was 22-9. and nine. They are all seniors. So this is loaded experience that you will see with the Blue Jays and also a loaded non-conference schedule with top mid-majors as well as P5 programs to really test to see what they are all about. It is a spread offense with a lot of perimeter shots. So if you have to be able to defend the three, but this team not only can get up and down, but they shoot the ball incredibly well. They shot 271 more threes than any of their, than their opponents a year ago. You've got to get out and defend and they've got players that can knock down shots. I like Creighton and I like their consistency. Number 24 is also one of, I think, the most consistent mid-major programs over the last few years, and it is because so much comes back for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. For many, many years, we've been talking about the West Coast Conference and the battle of BYU and Gonzaga. BYU no longer there. They have made their move to the Big 12. Now this is the Gonzaga show. They sit atop of the West Coast Conference. They want to not only a regular season, but that conference title, and they are going to be in the mix of the top 25 all season. They have one of the most experienced rosters in the nation, 90% of their scoring and rebounding returning from a year ago. You've got 6'1 senior Yvonne Mgem. She shot over 53% from the field last season. You've got twins guards and Kaylee and Kaylin Trong, and also all conference forward and Brenna Maxwell. She had been a transfer from Utah. I love what this team does, but they're also going to be challenged. So look up for those matchups. They're going to play Louisville in November and then a much anticipated game at home in Spokane against Stanford on December 3rd. And rounding out the top 25 this year in our preseason poll for the 23-24 season is out of the Big 12, and it is the Kansas Jayhawks. Now, this is a team that missed out on the NCAA tournament a year ago. Brandon Schneider had them back in the 22 tournament, and that was the first time they had been since 2013. They were on the bubble. They got pushed off. They regrouped. They ran off six huge wins for themselves and for their fans in Lawrence, Kansas, to win the postseason WNIT title. I think that's a great foundation, and we've seen that catapult other teams into really, really good seasons in the past. That's what Brandon Schneider and the Kansas Jayhawks want to do again. The biggest piece for him is he's got three super seniors, all Huge impact players. It starts with Tiana Jackson in in the middle. She's a 6'3 post, a dominant defender, but she's also developed into a scorer. You've got a point guard in Zachiah Franklin out front, and then also a sharp student, a Holly Kerskeeter. All of them experienced as well as some big time talent that they bring in and a couple transfers. Now the fun in the sun for this veteran Jayhawk team is going to begin when they go to the Cayman islands in November and play in the Cayman Island classic. They're going to get Virginia tech and they're going to get Utah or excuse me, Yukon. So we will know a lot about Kansas early in November, but I like this veteran team. I think they are focused. They are motivated and that could be a lot to handle in the Big 12. Keep in mind, they were picked third behind Texas and Baylor. So that, ladies and gentlemen, rounds out the top 25. I know it is a lot of information, but the best part is you can go to the next and you can find it there. So the nexthoops.com, you can find this top 25 preview as well as what is starting to trickle into your inbox and to our website starting today. Conference preview stories, whether it's the Big 10, the Big East, could be SEC, whatever you're looking for, we are going to have you covered as well as continued coverage right here on Lockdown Women's Basketball throughout the next few weeks to get you ready for the college basketball season. It's right around the corner. 
everybody needs to get going. Well, I want to thank you for listening and for watching today. You can find me at Missy Heidrich on X, formerly known as Twitter, and all of my amazing colleagues there, as well as with this podcast at Locked On WBB. And I already told you once, so don't uh, let me tell you again. Go to thenexttubes.com. That's where you're going to find not only this preview and a much, much more in-depth breakdown of the top 25, but also our conference previews and so much more. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. For our everydayers tomorrow on the show, our fearless leader, Howard Megdahl, will continue our college basketball preview coverage and so much more. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. I will see you back here next week, next Monday, with more college basketball previews and breakdowns. Like I said, it's right around the corner, folks. Everybody get excited.